Yeah, that soccer show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. We've been telling you about Uptown Poor here on the podcast for a while now, and we're super excited that they're continuing to support us and everything we're trying to do to help grow soccer in the upstate. But I wanted to tell you a little bit more about Uptown Poor. They're part of an of a umbrella organization called the Uptown Company, which is Uptown Poor and Uptown Catering. So they offer these two unique uh, services for you. One, Uptown Poor being a beverage catering company where they can give you bar service for your event or party. And then Uptown Catering, where they can, can they can bring food. They can do any of the food items for your party. And so you can use them in tandem together to put on an incredible event. If it's a wedding, if it's an anniversary, if it's some kind of party you're hosting this summer, you need to check out Uptown Poor and Uptown Catering. And if you have, if you're like me, you're a visual person, you want to see what this kind of stuff looks like, I would encourage you to go over to Instagram, check out The Uptown Company, and you can see pictures of drinks and food that they've done. Man, they had a picture of some cannolis from the Artisphere tent that they had, and man, do they look good. They also had some fish tacos and margaritas that looked really good. So go check them out on Instagram there. Um, and then you can visit their two sites, UptownPoorCo.com or UptownCateringSC.com to check out all the things that they have on offer. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show, the completely unofficial podcast that talks all things Greenville FC, NPSL, and so much more. So come on, Greenville, this show is for you, it's about you, and we want this show to be driven by you. So email the show at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or slide into our DMs over at, at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome into episode number 20 of Yeah, That Soccer Show. Time for us to recap a 1-1 draw versus the Atlanta Silverbacks from last Saturday. Hey, guess what? I didn't lose my voice this time. I'll tell you a little bit more about how I managed to make that happen here in just a little bit. We're excited to tell you all about the game from Saturday, break it down from all the angles, and then talk a little bit about some of the things surrounding the game and some of the things that are going to be coming up this week. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my man who I met in the second half of the match, standing down on the end line on Saturday. He was an older gentleman who said he listened to the podcast. And honestly, I was really impressed that he listened to the show. It helped to demonstrate that our listenership is very wide and both in age and culture. And that's, that's really awesome. So I'm excited that the show continues to grow and that we're reaching a wide audience. Now it's time for us to jump in to recapping Saturday's match. But before we do, I wanted to just tell you a little bit, if you weren't able to come to the tailgate, the Milltown operatives and the American outlaws chapters through together on Saturday, man, did you miss a good time? The Milltown operatives and the American Outlaws from Greenville, the American Outlaws from Anderson, I know were involved. I think some of the Hub City, Spartanburg, American Outlaws were down there as well. 
We started tailgating at 3 o'clock. Actually, there were some folks out there a little bit earlier just setting up so that we could be ready to watch the U.S. men's team take on Ireland in a friendly at 3 o'clock. And then we stayed and partied and had tons of fun all the way up until we marched to the stadium for the Greenville FC match around 6.30. Now, I say all that to say that there is another matchup coming this weekend. The U.S. men's national team is taking on France in a friendly again at 3 o'clock. And after we had such a big success this week, some of the AO guys and some of the Milltown guys said, hey, let's do this again. This was a lot of fun. So I think the plan is to get back out there again this week at 3 o'clock for another tailgate to watch the U.S. team and then to march in the stadium and watch the Greenville game against Chattanooga. This past Saturday, we had about, I would say, about 100 folks or so out at the tailgate. So it was a really good time. If you haven't been to any of our tailgates, I encourage you to come and check them out. This is also an open invitation. I don't know if any of the Chattahooligans will be listening to this episode, but we threw it out on Twitter. We want the Chattahooligans to come and tailgate with us, come and watch the U.S. match, and have a good time before we go into the match. Now... On to the important stuff. It's time to break down where we stand in the season with Greenville FC. Greenville FC currently sits at a record of 1, 3, and 2. We've got five points. We're second to the bottom of the Southeast Division of the NPSL, but we're, we're right there nipping on the heels of the playoffs. In case you don't know, the top six of eight teams get into the postseason, so we really want to be there. But I think we have the talent and capability to do it. I think we just got to put some things together, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the show today. So on to, the, on to Saturday's matchup against the Silverbacks. I want to break down a little bit about uh, the teams and what they looked like. And then after the break, we will look into some specific moments throughout the match that kind of helped set the to- tone and led to the 1-1 draw and and Greenville FC and Atlanta splitting the points for this matchup. So the first one thing I want to talk about is the, is the Silverbacks' offense. So Atlanta, the whole match, particularly was very obvious in the first half and continued into the second half, although they got there were points where they were uh, pressing a little bit more than they were in the first half. But for most of the game, their offensive strategy seemed to be Bunker down, play defensively, sit sit in front of the goal, don't let Greenville have opportunities, and then when the keeper would get the ball or there would be a turnover, it just seemed like the, the object was just to boot it down the field. They had a striker who was up top who seemed to be – his whole role seemed to be like just cherry pick and try to make the run as soon as the ball's booted, get behind the defensive line, and have a shot on goal. That is not a great strategy um, in soccer. I mean, I guess it could be an effective in certain situations, but and, and probably what they saw was leading up to this match, we, we've talked about it here on the podcast, Greenville FC has struggled defensively for a good part of the year. And if you have a team whose back line is not that strong and who is an attacking-minded team like Greenville has been, that strategy can work. You can just sit and bunker down, kind of cut off the attack-mindedness of a team. And because their defense is lacking, you can hope that your striker is fast enough and shifty enough to get behind the end line and get that 1v1 opportunity on the keeper. Now, the good thing is we have an amazing keeper in Paul Tyson, a.k.a. Paul the Wall, 
that we monikered him during the match on Saturday. And the other thing about it is our back line has been playing incredibly well. Now, the lineup, when the lineup came out on Saturday, I was super, super concerned because I had told you that my concern was our defensive capabilities versus a team who has scored a lot of goals, a team that has looked very strong and our defense has not looked strong. And I was a proponent of the four, two, three, one with your four man back line and your two defensive midfielders giving you kind of six in the back. Well, that's not exactly what Greenville FC walked out. Now Greenville's starting lineup graphic is a little hard to read at times because they put the full names in there and they don't have a ton of space to spread the player names out in a real formation like they would look. But the best I can tell, this formation looked like a 3-2-5, maybe a 3, maybe a 3-4-3, three, three, but but kind of, it really looks like a 3-2-5, especially the way they list the positions. They have a right back, a center back, and a left back on the back line, that three-man back line. Then they have two central midfielders. And then on the front, they have a right winger, a right forward, a striker, a left forward, and a left winger. All of those are attacking positions. So it seemed like a 3-2-5, which I was immediately concerned by just because of the defensive struggles the team has had. Um, That just made me really – it made me really scared (laughs) when I first saw it, and I wasn't quite sure how that was going to work. But I will say this. Aiden Wickstead in particular, who was one of the guys out on the wing on the right, and even Danny Kirith uh, on the left, both of them did sit back at times and and played very good defense, but they also pressed and drove the offense forward. In particular, Aiden, we'll talk about him here in a little bit, but um, it, it was an interesting formation choice. But you know what? It worked, and that is why I'm not a coach, and Lee Squires is, because he obviously saw something with the Silverbacks and saw something with Greenville's talent that said this is the way to go for this matchup. Now, let's look at Greenville, what Greenville did. Greenville's defense during the match was exceptionally good considering that they were playing a three-man back line. Um, they did they did phenomenal. Toby Sims had another amazing game. We, we named him our man of the match from last week, and he he performed admirably again, performed really well. Paul Tyson had an amazing game in goal, even stopped a penalty. Mr. Paul the Wall, he did a great job. Um, and you're, and so the defense looked, looked pretty good. And then the other, the other area that really impressed me was the midfield. We had great buildup. We built our attacks from the back. Started with Tyson. He would pass it to the defensive line. They would work their way up the field and get it out on the wings for either Frago or Wickstead were the two that really seemed to be driving the ball down either side. Frego on the left, Wickstead on the right. Um, but those three guys, Malcolm Frego, Paul Tyson, and Aiden Wickstead, all had phenomenal games. Frego, when he is on the ball, it's magical to watch. His footwork, his maneuverability around players is really, really impressive for someone at this NPSL level. I think Paul Tyson's keeping is really impressive for somebody at this level. Um, and then in this game in particular, Aiden Wickstead was, he really did a great job of defending at times back on that right side, 
but he was really the driving force on many of our attacks. He had some beautiful, beautiful crosses into the box that honestly any one of them could have could have gone in and could have been goals. He did a great job of setting up offensive chances, and really the team looked great. And here's the thing I will say. For the majority of this game, and I would say definitively as a whole, Greenville FC was superior to the Atlanta Silverbacks in this matchup. This is a game when you get to the end, if you don't see it, if you take all the goals out, if you just showed somebody this matchup and you said, we took all the goals out, tell me who you think wins this game. I think most people would say, oh, hands down, this is a Greenville FC win because they really did look very impressive. It felt like we had plenty of opportunities to score. It felt like the ball just kind of lived in the final third, the the Silverbacks third there near their goal for most of the match. Now, it's not to say they didn't have chances. They did, and they had possession, and they would drive the ball up. But like I said, most of their offense was just trying to boot it downfield and then run and catch up from behind and bring support in for that striker or for whoever that man was up there with the ball. They did have a couple of builds, but most of the time their offense was very rudimentary and very like not not super uh, intentional in a lot of ways. So it, this was a game that it just kind of hurts that we, we got the draw here. It, it really felt like this was a win that we should have had. But my hope is that when we go play the Silverbacks in Atlanta – that we have an opportunity to kind of make up for this performance because I really think this this team is better than the Silverbacks. And at the end of the season, I think that that may prove itself out in the in the final standings just because watching this game, I can't believe that this team beat the Revolution 5 to nothing. I mean, that really, in hindsight, that was what scared me. That's why I predicted a 3-1 loss for Greenville because I I just looked at the way that these this team has won they they beat the Emerald Force pretty soundly. They really beat the Revolution very soundly. They are only two losses to Asheville City, the the class of our division. And so I thought, and they were close losses. So I thought this is a team that really is going to be very good and very tough to beat. But watching that game Saturday, I was really, really not impressed. So I want to break down a little bit of the specifics, uh, the goals, the penalty, the red cards. I want to talk about all that on the other side of the break. So. Listen in for a word from our sponsor. We here at Yeah That Soccer Show are proud to welcome our newest partner, Brad Butchkowski. Brad is a real estate agent with the Wondercheck Realty Group, and he is here to serve all of your real estate needs in the upstate. Brad is a huge fan of the podcast. He is a founding member of Greenville FC, and he wants to connect with you to help you buying or selling a house, whatever you're looking to do. Um, you can visit his website, brad.selling-greenville.com. Check out the listings he's got there. Um, or you can connect with him online. Uh, he has He's on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Brad Buczkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I. Or you can find him on Twitter. That might be the easiest spot to find him. It's I am Brad B. Brad Buczkowski, the newest partner for Yeah That Soccer Show. We're excited to have him. Hey, tell him you've heard about him on the podcast. Welcome back into Yeah That Soccer Show, episode 20, where we're breaking down the 1-1 draw against the Atlanta Silverbacks from this past weekend. So I wanted to break down some of the specific moments in the match. Let's start with the penalty attempt that the Revolution had in the first half. So they got a penalty awarded 
for a foul in the box there. There was really no question on this one. It was a really, really poor tackle there by our guy out on the left side. Defending just takes him down really hard. You got to, that was just a bad play. It was a bad, he wasn't thinking and he, he made a, a hard tackle there in the box. And that's going to be a penalty every time. The ref didn't hesitate. He pointed straight to the spot and he lined up to take the penalty. So Muhammad Kamara is lined up to take the penalty against Paul Tyson. This here's the thing about penalties, and if you if you've watched soccer for very long, you know a penalty is almost I would say probably a seventy five to eighty percent conversion rate. You kind of feel like this is the easiest way you can score. It seems like a sure thing. He lines up. He tries to put it towards the right, uh, maybe maybe towards the bottom third of the goal. Tyson goes to his left, the right of the goal, and just blocks it. I mean, he has an amazing penalty block there. That is a super hard thing for a keeper to do, but Tyson reads it perfectly. Even if even if a keeper guesses the right direction, a lot of times there's a lot of space to cover. The the goals are much much bigger than you would think just looking at them. And so his his ability to stop that penalty was huge. However, right before halftime, the Silverbacks go ahead with the goal. They're doing that thing again where they're just kind of pushing it upfield really hard and really quick and trying to catch somebody cherry-picking. So basically get a long pass into the striker. He cuts through the back line and goes out. The ball's on the right side of the box, so he's going to meet the ball. Paul Tyson comes off of his line, which he does not do a ton, but he comes all the way out there to the edge, to the right edge of the 18 to try and get the ball. He doesn't quite get there in time, but he – he sort of gets in the way, and uh, I think it was Kamara had the ball there, and he kind of dribbles around Paul. Really, if he could have passed it in and had somebody headed in, the, the the net was wide open. Tyson manages to get back in goal, but the ball has been passed all the way to the left side of the goal. He gets he gets over there in time, but just barely, and the ball goes right between his legs. It really. It re- this was really Tyson being caught off of his line. I know he was there to make the save potentially, but having come from as far over to the right as he did, he didn't really have time to get set and really react to that shot. So you give up the goal right there before halftime, and that is the scoreline going in. And honestly, as a Greenville fan, at that moment, it just felt like we had been dominating the first half, but that just kind of knocked the air out of you. You'd, you'd stopped a penalty that you felt like was the best chance for them to score, and then they score on a play like that where just some mistakes made and you really didn't feel like they deserved it. But you know what? They got it. They converted an opportunity. We made a mistake, and they capitalized on it. So they're up one to nothing at the half. Now, it's at this point that I decide to make a move for the betterment of the podcast. I spent the first half on the front row with the Milltown operatives yelling and screaming, and I was getting very, very heated about some of the calls. Now, we'll get into this here in a minute, but my contention was that this referee... Now, I'm not I'm not blaming referees at all. I want you to hear that. This referee was just very different, and I feel like he was fairly balanced in this, but he was not calling anything. He wasn't calling anything against the Silverbacks. He wasn't really calling much against... Greenville FC. It seemed like this was a call. This was a game where 
Not a ton of things were called. Now you got you got the penalty just because that's. I mean, you're going to get that with with a takedown in the box like that. But there hadn't really been any cards, not yellows, nothing, and the game was just getting a little chippy. And so it was getting frustrated. I could already sense my voice was starting to get a little tickly. So I decided for the betterment of myself and for the podcast, I was going to move and stand somewhere else. Now it helped a little bit. I still got a little, uh, yelly in the second half at certain moments. Um, but I think it has all worked out for the better because I'm able to do this show today. So the second half Greenville scores a goal. I'm standing on the opposite end on the end line, and I watch Quinn McNeil curl this goal into the top corner, and it was a beauty. It was a not exactly a laser strike because it didn't go just straight directly where it was going to go. It He kicked it. It started in that top corner, curled out a little bit, and then curled right back into that top corner. The keeper had really no chance at stopping that one. That was a beautiful, beautiful goal that Quinn McNeil got. Um, I think that's probably what earned him his man of the match honors from the team. Beautiful goal, uh, obviously ultimately led to the share of the points. So you got to love that. So Quinn McNeil with a beautiful goal there in the second half. Now there were plenty of opportunities following that to take the lead and to, and to secure all three points. The best of which happened towards the end of the game we had a free kick from the left corner of the box, just outside the box, and Malcolm Frago was lining up to take it. Now, Malcolm is a – I've said this before. He seems to be the free kick specialist on this team. And as soon as he was getting ready to take it, I was telling some of the guys I was standing around that, you know, he's going to put this on target. It's really on the keeper to, to stop this. And, man, if he didn't put it right in the top left corner, the keeper for the, for the Silverbacks made an amazing save on that ball. If he had not had a 10 out of 10 play as a keeper, that's a goal. That's your winning goal for Greenville. So big, big uh, respect for that move for the Silverbacks keeper. Right after that play, the Silverbacks are taking the ball down the field. There's a foul kind of in a similar position on the right side of Greenville's 18-yard box, but I would say probably more like 25 yards out. So they get a free kick. We line up to take it. It seems to take a while. This was another thing that was driving me crazy. It seemed like everything was taking forever. Every time there was a stoppage of play, it would just go on and on and on. So they were lining up to take the free kick from out there, about 25 yards out. The Silverbacks take it, and he just boots it way, way, way over. Uh, well, no, no, no. He doesn't boot it way over. He, he curls it in to the right, and it's headed way over. So there's, I don't know what happened, but this is where the red card incident happens. And I've got to be honest, I'm trying to be as impartial as possible. I was standing down there, but I was turned around talking to somebody else when the incident happened. So I've gone back to watch it on the stream and it's kind of hard to see exactly what happened, particularly with the second guy that ended up on the ground. But with the first guy that happened on the ground, what it looked like to me was, the ball was headed out of bounds. Um, there was a little bit of a collision between a Greenville FC and a Silverbacks player. So they're getting back up, and the Silverbacks player is getting back up, and he points his arm towards the end line to indicate that it would be uh, – he, he was trying to point wherever the, he thought the ball was supposed to go. He points what he thinks is the wrong way, so he changes direction and lifts his arm and clocks our guy in the face. Now, I don't think it was intentional. I don't honestly, I think 
had the referee had a clear view of it, I don't think it's a red card, if I'm honest. I really don't think that's a red card. Now, like I said, what happened from there was there was a quite a scrum. Tyson was up in his face. You had a Greenville player on the stream, it looks like, comes down and clearly shoves a guy to the ground. And then everybody kind of coalesces around the incident. Somehow another Greenville player ends up on the ground. I'm not sure. But he hopped up pretty quick. So I don't think really he might have just kind of been trying to milk it a little bit. But I will say this. This is what happens when you don't get the game under control. I talked earlier about how the ref had not really given any cards. He'd not really been calling any of these really hard fouls. This is what happens when the game starts getting chippy and you don't you don't shut it down. You get incidents like this where it gets out of control and then you've got to do something major to try to bring it under control. But I say that to say I don't uh, I don't begrudge the the Silverbacks fans and the coaches and the team for being frustrated with that red call because I'm not really sure that should have been a red, but I will say I think I think this is where home field advantage came into play. Because I really think the operatives influenced this call. Uh, I think that's why you saw a couple of the sheriffs have to come over there and tell people they couldn't stand on the sidewalk for whatever silly, ridiculous reason they wanted to make up. I mean, that's a perfectly fine place to stand. Nobody's ever said you can't stand there. So I think this incident probably got them a little concerned about the emotions of the game and the emotions of the players and the fans. But you get the red card nonetheless, and I think ultimately – Probably that's what needed to happen. And I got to say, if it wasn't for this incident, you had guys for the revolution that went down every time the wind blew on them. Um, number 10 in particular seemed to take a dive. Anytime anybody even sneezed on him, he he went to the ground and was always looking for something. And if you're a referee in that situation, you either have to like give a card or, a, or some kind of foul to the defenders, or you have to give him a foul for persistent simulation. Because you can't allow that to continue to happen. And it wasn't just him. There was a few players for the revolution that that dove very easily. But he was the one that was the most noticeable to me just with his bleach blonde platinum hair. Um, I just noticed very much that he was going down super, super easy. So you end up with the game. I mean, that, that happens. The guy's sent off with, I think, in the 89th minute. And they give you four minutes at a time, and that seemed to drag on a little bit. And you had a couple of chances there. But I, I think that's so late in the game, it's not enough to really push you over the edge to get that winning goal there at the end. So let's talk about our man of the match first. Let's get that out of the way because I think that's uh, that's some positive news. And then we'll talk about maybe some things that this team needs to look at in terms of improving. Our man of the match, the Yeah That Soccer Show man of the match for this game was Aiden Wickstead. I went back and forth in the first half between him and Paul Tyson. It's hard to not give it to Tyson for stopping a penalty, but you know what? We see Tyson do this kind of stuff every match. Um, he was our uh, man of the match in the, in the first ever home game. I think he could have easily gotten it this match. He just, I was just so impressed with Aiden and Aiden's work and his consistency. It feels like he does this every match, and he, and he's in a very unnoticed position. He's not your goal scorer. He's not your goalie. He's not a guy in the midfield that's really, really driving the ball forward a ton, but he is the guy that really was pulling the strings on this team. This game, he was driving it up the side. He was crossing the balls into the box, setting up scoring opportunities. He was the consistent guy. And I think had we had some better finishing, 
that would have won you the match. So I'm giving my man of the match to Aiden Wickstead for this matchup. Now, let's talk about the major, major issue that we have not talked about with this team. We've talked about defense. They've addressed the defense. We've talked about the midfield. They've addressed the midfield. It's amazing. Every time we talk about something, it's like Lee Squires knows what he's doing. (laughs) I say that jokingly. Of course he knows what he's doing. He knows way better than I do. I just happen to see things, and then it seems like the next match they're fixed, and I think that's because the things I'm seeing are the things he's seeing, and he's making sure that those issues are addressed. So here's the issue I'm noticing now from this match, and really I think this has been an issue the whole time. I just don't think it's been as obvious as it was this match when it felt like we were the better team. <clears throat> Here's that thing. Like I said, Aiden Wickstead spent most of the first half and, and a good part of the second half crossing balls into the box that should have been goals or at least shots on target. But it felt like every time he crossed it in there, there was either A, nobody there to get a head on it or a foot on it or get a shot off, or when somebody did get in there, they they kicked it right at the keeper or they pushed it wide or kicked it over or didn't hit it hard enough or whatever. I think this is the problem. I don't think we have a real striker on this team. I think we got a lot of good forwards. I think Frego is maybe one of the best wing guys in the game, but he's he's your he's your Christian Pulisic. He's your Gareth Bale. He's your guy that's that's out on the wings that can yeah, can cut in and, and get shots on goal. He's a guy that can cross it in for goal scorers, but he's not a striker. He's not a guy that's going to sit up top, make those runs behind the defense and get goals. Now, Lee Wadham was our starting striker this game. And I think Lee Wadham's very good, but I don't know that he's a natural striker. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like we have anybody on our team right now that can tie the bow and, and finish these chances and just put put a foot on a ball or a head on a ball and just punch it into the back of the net. Cause I haven't seen really any of our goals be that way. Most of our goals are, are the Quinn McNeil goals that he's shooting from outside the box. And there are these nice curling efforts or they're just going in the right corners, but we don't have anybody that's just pounding balls in and taking shots on target. So I think that's the biggest issue I see right now. Now I have been told that the, the person who best, resembles that true striker on our team is our head coach, Mr. Lee Squires, who in college had quite the reputation for being that goal scorer, being that finisher. So I would hope that means he's got an eye for it and he's going to know who on this team can, can fill that role. And I'm hoping that he sees those, those issues, those finishing issues. All that being said, that that's just a mild criticism. This team's looked very, very good. And I think it's really been a, an issue of being a new team who's all new, all playing together. It's it's everybody's new to this league. Everybody's new to to Coach Squires. So there's been it's been some growing pains. We're not quite halfway into the season yet, but I'm hoping the back half of the season has a lot of victories and a lot of good moments for us going forward. Well, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up our breakdown of the match. I got a couple of quick announcements to get to, and then I'm going to tell you about what the rest of the week's gonna look like for the podcast. So, first announcement is our hats will be here this week. So, if you come to the tailgate on Saturday, you will have your chance to buy a Yeah That Soccer Show hat. You can bring me some cash, or you can uh, we can figure out a, a PayPal situation if you got PayPal or Cash App or Square or anything like that. I got all that stuff. So. We'll figure out something. Um, they're going to be 
$25 on Saturday. But if you reach out to me prior to Saturday, you can either hit me up on Twitter or send me an email. You can get one for $20 or as many as you want for $20. But only if you hit me up before I have them in hand on Saturday. Once they're in hand in person, they're $25. That's the deal, okay? So if you want one, come and get them because they're, they're going to – and I only have – I only have about 20 of them left, so they're going to sell out quick. So make sure you get yours. They're good-looking hats. They are the best hats on the market. I can promise you that. They're legacy hats. I did not go cheap on these things. That's why they're 25 bucks. <laughs> so I hope that you will consider getting one because they're going to be awesome. Second off, the Milltown Operatives have some merch. They have shirts and hats for sale, and they just added a new design, uh, reminiscent of the old-school NWO T-shirts if you're an old wrestling fan. They look really cool. Um, I saw one of our guys, our man Kyle, at the tailgate this past week wearing his Milltown Operative shirt that he had got in the mail, and it looked really, really good, and everybody that saw it felt the same. So if you've been waiting, thinking like, well, I want to see what they look like, they look great. Go check out Milltown Operatives on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I think they posted a picture of Kyle in his shirt, but that's what they're, they were looking great. We need some more flags so I think people who have ordered flags on there, those should be coming in soon. And hopefully that'll mean we have some more flags to wave at the match. And then don't forget about our tailgate at 3 o'clock on Saturday to watch USA versus France. And then we'll stay and eat and, and drink and be merry. And then at about 6.30, we'll make our way into the stadium to watch Greenville FC take on Chattanooga. FC for the first time. Now Chattanooga is a big, big team in our division. They're very good. They've been around forever and they have a strong following. So I imagine they will have quite the crew traveling up to Greenville to see this match. Now about our coverage for this week, here's what's going to happen. I promised you last week, some world cup coverage, and that is on its way starting tomorrow, Tuesday, every day for the rest of this week, except for Friday, I think. No, I think even Friday. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do a group a day. So you'll have t Tuesday will be A, Wednesday will be B, Thursday will be C, Friday will be – you'll get two podcasts. You'll get Group D, and you'll get the preview of the Chattanooga match. Then on Saturday for the weekend, I'm going to re release one. You're going to get Group E for the weekend. And then Monday, you'll get F, and you'll get two podcasts on Monday. You'll get Group F. And you'll get a recap of the Chattanooga match. On Tuesday, you'll get Group G. Wednesday of next week, you'll get Group H preview. And then Thursday morning, in time for you to listen before the first World Cup matchup kicks off, we're going to do our preview prediction show where I make predictions on who's going to win and who's going to finish second in each group, what the what the knockout round is going to look like and who ultimately is going to win the world cup. And you can take my picks to the bank. <laughs> Probably not, but, uh, I'm going to do the best I can. And I can just tell you, I'm going to try to, to pick with my head, not with my heart. My heart in this one is with England. I'm going to be rooting for England and with Iceland. I think Iceland's kind of a fun pick too, uh, just cause they're, they're a little bit of the underdog pick, but I'm, I'm pulling hard for England this, this world cup, but they're probably going to let me down. <laughs> so, but you'll have to tune in each day this week as we break down the groups on the podcast. I'm also going to be writing articles covering each group that'll have a little bit of different, different information in them over at soccer and sweet tea. So you can check them out. Soccer, the letter in sweet tea.com. Those will be posting, um, on a regular basis in the next couple, in the next week or so as well. And then we're going to do staff wide picks 
on the day of the World Cup. So thanks for tuning in. Hey, don't forget to check us out on Patreon. Yeah, that's soccershow.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-O-N. Don't forget to start your Amazon shopping at yeah, that's soccershow.com slash Amazon. Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And most importantly, make sure you share the love and tell somebody about the podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in again this week. I hope you enjoy the World Cup coverage. Let me know your thoughts as they're released if you have them on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. And we will see you on Saturday as we take on Chattanooga FC.